fun. You're the I, one who's sitting there being like, they're being so mean to Puddle Glum. Oh I mean, my god, a, I get it. Welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia chapter by chapter, and today we're discussing chapter 7 of The Silver Chair. This chapter is called The Hill of the Strange Trenches. Mm. Fascinating. I am not a frog, also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host... I'm a porter. You're a porter. I'm not a stout. Not a stout. Are you a portly a, porter? Um, sometimes. <laughs> but I'm also known as Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How was our vacation? It was pretty solid. Yeah? You know, I enjoyed myself. Oh, yay. I'm glad. I did, too. We got to have a fight with glow sticks, so, you know. Yeah? Little little lightsaber fight <laughs> with some glow sticks. It was a good time. It can't possibly be a bad, bad vacation if we did that. Not possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> glow sticks make every vacation better yeah how was yours mine was we took separate ones yes no my birthday was excellent and i appreciate the effort you put into making it that way thank, oh. you. thank you thank you you're welcome look at us being adorable to start the episode off oh. this isn't banter at all we're a little respecto biggles <laughs> respecto wiggle uh-huh that's not a frog not a frog <laughs> No frog. Anyway. It's not frog. How do we start talking about this chapter? What we do is we do a summary of the chapter. So as you and I read through the chapter, we each pull five sentences out of the chapter's context and try to convey the message and plot and story of the chapter in the chapter's own words. Uh-huh. And that's what we do. So we start by reading our summaries. I'm going to try to read mine because... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I wrote mine in the car on the freeway, so my uh, my already terrible handwriting is more legible this time. All right. Well, so, you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. And by the end of half an hour, a good, steady snowstorm, which looked as if it meant to last all day, was driving in their faces so that they could hardly see. Harfang! exclaimed Scrub. We'll die if we're shut out on a night like this. A door opened, letting out a delicious glow of firelight, and the porter appeared. More giants than they could count stood on their left and right, all in magnificent robes. And on two thrones at the far end sat two huge shapes that appeared to be the king and queen. Cool. We have two sentences in common there. There we go. All right, so here's mine. For the hill, oddly enough, was quite as flat on top as it had looked from a distance, a great level tableland which the storm tore across without resistance. She appeared to be in a kind of trench or groove only about three feet wide. A door opened, letting out a delicious glow of firelight, and the porter appeared. The children expected Puddleglum to refuse it, distrusting the gentle giants as he did. More giants than they could count stood on their left and right, all in magnificent robes, 
And on two thrones at the far end sat two huge shapes that appeared to be the king and queen. There you go. So, there you go. Had to get Puddleglum, you know, getting drunk in there somehow. (laughs) You also included the trenches, which that's the first thing I wanted to talk about was like the title of this chapter. Hill of the Strange Trenches. Is about this Hill of the Strange Trenches. But the content of the chapter is them walking into Harfang. Like, I mean, there's there's a couple, there's I mean, in, in the format of my book, there's a solid couple pages of description of them going up and through the trenches, which is visually difficult. Yes, <laughs> like, it's very difficult, isn't it? Like, it's described in such a way that makes it very hard to, uh, like, imagine what they're actually doing. Yes, 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 I agree. Also, I have very hard to interpret artwork as well, which doesn't help with this. Here's my artwork of them. So that artwork is of them going up, up the side step. of the hill, yeah. not coming out of a trench. Yeah. So that's them going, because they had, but yeah, so they climb up these, like, basically steps or, like, stairs for giants. Yes. Uh, on one side of the hill, walk across the hill that has the trenches in it, and yes. then have to go down them again. So your artwork is of them going up Yeah. those it's, steps, basically. It's a big flat table land, apparently. Uh, I also appreciate how it says, in order to understand what followed, you must keep on remembering how little they could see, and then doesn't really describe much of anything other than what little they could see. Yeah. So. I mean, other than the (laughs) fact that she fell into the hole, like. Yeah. So what are, I mean, some of this we're going to have to get into in baseless speculation, but like, what's the significance of the squarish rocks? Yeah, that they didn't look at very closely. Yeah. Like, what are the squarish rocks? Like, uh. You know, what are the things that look like factory smokestacks or a or a cliff that was straighter than any cliff should be? Yep. What, are, what is it all? What does it all mean? What does it all mean? Mm-hmm. What are the trenches? Anyway, we're here in a blinding snowstorm. Can't see we anything. Are. We are. Uh, I mean, they might be trenches full of giant earthworms or giant beetles. Yes, <laughs> we do have all of that. So For the trenches... Yeah, when when she falls into the trench, it seems like an ideal road or a way to get through this storm without having the wind in their face the whole time. Uh-huh. But then she goes down and it just turns. Yeah. It's going perfectly in the direction they want to, and then it turns. Yeah. And she doesn't want to go around that corner by herself, so Scrub comes down into the trench. Yep. I mean, Jill feels the same way about twisty passages and dark places underground that Scrub felt about the edges of cliffs. Yes. So... You know. And then Puddleglum didn't help by being like, there might be a giant earthworm since we're in giant country. No, that was him warding them away. Like, he's he's obviously working his uh, his magic. Here. Obviously. Yeah. It was like, we had to make sure those don't come, both, come by. Uh, also, he made sure that Jill didn't break her legs. Yes. So. Broke both legs, no doubt. Yep. So he's he's coming in clutch here. Yep, protecting he really the kids. Is. He really is protecting them. And and what is what does Puddleglum get for this protection? Like, his, his loyalty and whatnot. He gets, he gets like, ignored yeah. when they are like when he's like, "Hey, we should take a look at." No, 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 we're not yep. going to talk to you. He gets ignored. He gets told to shut up. He yep. gets like belittled by the children. Yep. <sighs> I wouldn't keep protecting them if I was <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's uh he's apparently a much better person than we are. Yeah. Because he's he's sticking with him. Yep. But like he's on like he wasn't even given a mission directly by Aslan, as far yep. as we know. Yeah. He just. Like, he just got told third hand by an owl that these kids were. Yep, and headed off with yeah. them because it'll do him some good. Uh huh. Apparently, uh, I, I am. I am waiting for Puddleglum's character growth and development here. Like, yeah. if, is he a dynamic character? That's the question. Is he? We gotta see. 
so anyway, they wander through this little maze of trenches and whatnot and eventually get out. It's not unclear if they get out, but they get out eventually. Um, and Well, I mean, Puddleglum helps them out. He's plenty tall to help yeah, them both out of the trench. But then, like, it doesn't really say that there's more trenches. No, it doesn't. It's just the one trench that turned, and it doesn't really say that they have to work around... And it's kind of a messy transition going from that to then suddenly they're at Harfang. Yeah, like, and they're going down the other side of the hill, which is also stair-steppy. Yeah. And then they're at Harfang. They, yeah. Oh, look, it's Harfang. We have to get there before the midday or whatever. They'll yeah. lock us out and we'll... So yeah. the kids ignore Puddleglum. Yeah. And then they get to Harfang. Like, I don't know. This is, this is, there's not a lot to discuss in the chapter. Well, bother, the, bother the signs. Bother the signs. So it says again, because yes. Puddleglum is just like, hey, shouldn't we pay more attention here? What were the signs again? And she's just like, bother the signs. But she didn't perhaps quite mean it. <laughs> yeah. It's a very committal sentence there. <laughs> But Puddleglum is annoying Jill because she has decided to give up on the science even though she knows she shouldn't. Yeah. And so he's the little voice of conscience in the back of her head. Like, Puddleglum is the Jiminy Cricket for Jill throughout this uh, adventure. Yeah, but he's not a cricket. It's not he's a frog also either. not a frog. Well, he doesn't say he's not a cricket. Well, maybe he is a cricket. Who knows? He's a cricket <laughs> that looks like a frog. Whoa. Whoa. Um, anyway, so that's a thing. Uh, they ignore him. Like also, Scrub is just like, it, this isn't the time to stop and admire the view. Yeah. Like again, Eustace being stupid. Like, yeah. Going gets tough. I mean, I, I guess we're supposed to empathize with the children here because, like, at this point, they've been trekking through the wilderness for like two weeks straight and dealing with like the snow and little food and like. No, this is the first snow that oh. they've been dealing with, but yeah. Rough terrain and giant attacks. Like, it's it's been a hard two weeks. You say little food. Like, at any point, we've mentioned that they didn't have food. They had the birds to eat, and yeah, they had well, the food that they brought with them. Like, well, But if I took you on a two-week trek through the wilderness... Yeah, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> I can barely get you on, like, a four-hour hike. Yeah. That's all accurate. You uh -huh. would not get me to go camping for two weeks. Uh-huh. It's like, you would be tired and, like, the only thing you would care about is getting back to a warm bed and a fireplace and a hot meal. Yep. So, I mean, you could, you can sympathize a bit. I can. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a fun You're time the one though. who's sitting there being like, they're being so mean to puddle glum. I'm I mean, like, it's, I, I get it. It sounds like a fun adventure <laughs> I to me. I get it. I mean, uh, you know, since we, since we do all these pointless comparisons constantly to Lord of the Rings, uh, do you know off the top of your head how long it took Frodo and Sam to get from the Shire to, uh, to Mordor. I don't know. It's like, like how five much, years or something. Like it's, how much walking was this? It, like five it, years. Was it really? Yeah. Cause I feel like looking at the maps of Middle Earth, like it wasn't like a, a horribly huge distance. Like they didn't have a lot of detours. In total, it took 11 months, one week and six days for the One Ring to be destroyed. Okay. Which, I mean, obviously, they weren't walking the entire time. Like, they spent a couple weeks in Rivendell. Like, they spent time in a, a couple other places. Like, they were trapped in Moria for a while. But. Yeah, still, yeah, that's no, a, no, But it's, yeah, it was. Much longer journey. Yeah. So, you know, if two hobbits can do it, like, hobbit-sized children, human children, can probably <laughs> pull it off. Yeah. Uh, is, 
is Puddleglum the golem of this journey? Ooh, there's the there's the question. Uh huh. He's the he's the weird looking guide creature who's like motives we can't fully understand. Now you're getting into basic speculation. I, oh gosh, I am. I need, I, I need to stop. I need to stop. All right. There's not enough content <laughs> in the chapter to discuss it long enough. So. Yeah. Anyway, so Harfang is up on a high crag. They get closer. They see a bunch of uh, windows, and it looks like there's fire coming from inside. And they do notice that uh, the portcullis and the gate were open, so this is before noon. But also, there's a bunch of like low windows, which means it is not built like a fortress. It's yes, like, and doors yeah. and things. Lots of ways to get out without going through the court. Yeah, uh, courtyard of the portcullis. So obviously, it seems like you know, even though they close the gates at noon, they're not really afraid of anybody invading or like. Yeah. Coming in. Like, the gentle giants have nothing to fear up here. Seems that way. Obviously. But, uh, they go up, and despite his misgivings, Puddleglum is the brave one, and he's like, all right, I'm gonna knock on the door. We're here. We might as well, uh... Yep. ...save face and not look scared. Knock, knock. He's calling out the porter. Uh, the porter shows up, uh, who is rather taller than an apple tree, but nothing like so tall as a telegraph pole. So... So that's how (laughs) tall the giants are. Yeah. They're so. taller than an apple tree. I've never been next to an apple tree in person. I was next to an apple tree in person last week, and it was... Where? Where did you find an apple tree? At April Lynn's house. They have an apple tree? Yeah, they've got an apple tree in the backyard, blueberries. You can grow an apple tree in California? Apparently. Wow. I thought that a was peach a... tree. I thought those were a cold weather fruit. I don't know. I mean, they were yellow apples, and some of them were starting to turn a little red on them. I know. So, uh, how tall would you say that tree was? I would say that I was... I could probably jump and reach the apples on the tallest branches of that tree. Okay. So, maybe like seven or eight feet high. Yeah. All right. So... Taller than that. Taller than that. Shorter than a telephone... Or a tele... I don't know how tall a telegraph pole is. I know telephone poles are like really tall 20 25 feet yeah. at least so somewhere somewhere in the 10 to 25 foot range how tall is a telegraph pole no i don't want standard utility poles <laughs> in the u.s oh well don't know anyway we're trying to <laughs> pad out for time here oh yep yep uh so anywho he he's got bright red hair a leather jerkin with metal plates fastened to it all over to make a kind of male shirt. Bare knees. Very hairy. And <laughs> and things that look like putties on his legs. What are putties? I don't know. Did we look that up? I, I didn't. Look that up. Did you all look right. it up? Internet, tell me. A lot, of, a lot of research for this chapter. Yeah. What are putties? Uh, a putty uh, is a covering of the lower part of the leg from the ankle to the knee. Alternatively known as leg wraps, leg bindings, waningas, or wickle banders. Wickle bander. Yeah. Really surprised that that's not the word that uh, C.S. Lewis chose. Yep, but these are putties. Okay. So, those. He's got leg wraps. Sure. Um, anyway, he opens the door. Uh, they give the greeting. Like, Jill can't remember the freaking signs, but she can remember exactly the greeting that the, the green lady told her to give. Exactly. Um, because she says, to the feast, not... For the feast. Oh, that's true. I mean, it's also not She exact. very distinctly says, to the feast. Uh-huh. 
Yep. And then the porter's just like, oh, well, that's quite a different story. We'll, we got to get you inside now. Uh, if she's, you know, if the lady of the green kirtle has sent you, obviously. Obviously. Uh, he remarks on their blue faces and didn't know that children came in that color. <laughs> um, which I feel like if their faces are actually blue at this point, like they're basically they're on death's door and yep. like nah, not in good shape at all. Uh, uh, they come in, there's a huge fire, like it's everything they wanted. It's this great hearth of, you know, all sorts of food, like, you know, f- fine comfy furnishings that are too large for them. Uh, their porter remarks that apparently Puglum needs some cheering up. Yep. And goes and gets a giant black bottle of liquor. Yep. And uh, he has to drink out of a salt shaker because the cups will drown him. (laughs) Can't get a giant cup, you'll drown. So gets a giant salt shaker, pours some sort of liquid into it. Yep. That That puddle glum is is certain is going to be poison. Certain. Well, he smells it first. Seems like it's fine. Takes a sip. Tastes good to him. Can't be sure, though. Yeah. It could still be poison. Yeah, something nasty at the bottom, but I might as well get there to find out. Yeah. And he tells the children, you know, this is going to be a test if I curl up or burst or turn into a lizard or something. Yep. Does You'll he say there. that? Yes. He says turn into a lizard yes. or something. I missed that line. Yeah. Huh. Uh, then they'll know, obviously. Obviously. That the giants are up to no good here. Yeah. Uh, anyway, then Puddle Glove gets drunk. Yep. Off his salt shaker full of he's giant brew. He's getting turned. Uh-huh. Uh, and insists that he's not a frog. Yes. Uh, he's a respect-a-wiggle. Or... A respect-a-biggle. A respect-a-biggle. That line made me laugh so hard. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> that it funny? really did. I It tickled me. Uh-huh. Respect-a-wiggle. I don't know. It just... It really tickled me. That's how you introduced yourself yesterday in our little teaser episode. Yes, I did. But not today. But yeah, no, well, I didn't want to do it the same. I was going to use Respect a Wiggle in the, uh, in the birthday late announcement, and I was going to use Respect a Biggle today. Ah. But then I, I switched it up to Not a Frog. This. All of mine were going to be quotes from, uh, <laughs> from Puddle Glum either way. That yeah. said, you were looking for character development for Puddle Glum. Yeah. And here's, here's, here's a shift in his character. He's 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 a drunkard a little bit in this. Uh... A little bit. I mean, we knew we knew he, he he you know took some nips before because he had his little flask that he pulled out yep. uh, when he was hanging out with the children. Yeah. Because you know sometimes when I'm hanging out with children, I want to start drinking too. Like oh, yeah. I completely understand here. But you need that little flask. <laughs> need my little flask. Uh, but yeah, maybe maybe he's something of an alcoholic. Maybe. We don't know. Uh. But yeah, he he gets drunk. He gets carried off by the giant. They're going off to see not the wizard, but you know the court. Uh, and they're ushering the kids to the court right away. They come in. We have our sentence where we're like more giants than they've ever seen, wearing royal robes. And there's the king and queen. Well, what we think are the king and queen. There's two large shapes. Yep. Um, and then they bow and don't curtsy because at Experiment House they don't teach you how to curtsy. Correct. Very. They do not. That's. I mean, that's a very important thing to know about Jill. <laughs> Yeah. And also, we have Jill who, like, plucked up her courage to talk to the porter. Yes. Suddenly lost everything and can't speak to the king and queen. Yeah. Like, Eustace is like, um, Jill, just say something. Uh-huh. Tell them. And she's just like, uh-uh, uh-uh, no. And Puddle Glum's on the floor looking rather like a spider. Yeah. Um, 
with his long limbs. And so Eustace has to tell the king what the Lady of the Green Kirtle said. And he says, for the feast. He does not say to the feast. Um, I think you've read ahead here because that does not happen in this chapter. Have I? Yeah. They, the chapter ends with them going and bowing in front of the king and queen. Puddleglum gets dropped on the floor and that's it. Oh. So you've read, uh, you've Well, read that's the first two sentences <laughs> of the next chapter. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Get I ruined it. I spoiled it. Gosh. Jill doesn't want to talk to the king and queen. She's too scared. Yeah. Sorry. Like I said, not a lot happens in this <laughs> chapter. Not really. Um, so that basically is what happens. They they climb across some trenches on some sort of large flat table land. They come to Harfang. We see Harfang kind of, sort of, but they kind of get ushered through to the king and queen, and that's it. Yep. Cool. Is there anything that we missed here that we need to talk about? No. I mean, we don't really get into the structure of giant society or what Harfang is all about. Like, I, see, I think we see two rooms, kind of, sort of. But it's rather like a house. It, there's a description that says something that it's like rather like a large house rather yeah. than a castle. Yeah. So why is there a king and a queen living in a large house and not castle? It's, I mean, the next chapter is called The House of Harfang. So. Okay. They have salt shakers, though, so obviously they're civilized. They're very like, civilized. Yeah. It's like you can't have civilization without salt shakers. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, I mean... If there's nothing else, we might as well move on to our rewrite. If we, sure <laughs> it's going to be a short episode. Apparently. We're going to do our rewrites and then our baseless speculation. Sure. Well, right. I'll pad that out because I I can get into some stuff and things. Sure. Well, you tell us what we do for this rewrite thing. Well, as a creative exercise, we also pick out another five sentences from the chapter that we read uh, and rearrange those into a story. Sweet. And that's it. So you read your summary first. So I'll read my uh, rewrite first. All right, you do the thing. It works. Mine is very, uh, mine's low effort, I'll admit that. Okay. But <laughs> anyway, ready for my rewrite? Yep. Cool. Here we go. In order to understand what followed, you must keep on remembering how little they could see. It was about four feet high. Not a frog. With his long limbs, he looked, to tell the truth, uncommonly like a large spider. Don't look frightened, whatever you do. I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> Why? Because we have three sentences in common <laughs> in our rewrite. <laughs> wow. We're just on the same wavelength. With Last week it was two sentences. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just getting closer. By the end of this, we're going to do one rewrite exactly the same way. It's going to be crazy. But uh, anyway, that was just them encountering some sort of creature. That's, All right. <laughs> that's well, what I'm go ahead and it. read my rewrite. Yeah, go for it. It was about four feet high. And in a giant country, there might be giant earthworms or giant beetles. With his long limbs, he looked, to tell the truth, uncommonly like a spider not a frog. Suddenly, she skidded, slid about five feet, and found herself, to her horror, sliding down into a dark, narrow chasm, which seemed, that moment, to have appeared in front of her. Hmm. There you go. We had very similar ideas for that one. Yep. Only mine actually had a monster attack, Jill. (sighs) Whoa. 
There's a critter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. Anyway. Not a frog. Yeah, this is a hard one to rewrite. It was, uh, there's not a lot to work with there. Yeah. Lots of weather descriptions and, like... Creatures. Yeah. And, you know, puddle glum getting drunk. Ah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, so there's a chapter. Uh, should we go into our last segment here of baseless speculation? Sure thing. Let's let's chit chat. How's that work? In baseless speculation, you, yes. sir, who have not previously read the book, yes, still have no spoilers for this book. Correct. So you are reading all of this content for the first time. Yeah. You baselessly speculate about what it is that's going to happen in the chapter or the book and yeah story and how things are going to unfold as they unfold in the chapter and that'll influence your future descriptions of what's gonna happen yep yeah you should start doing that now (laughs) all right um so we're about halfway through the book now yes so we got about uh eight chapters left i think but we're about halfway we've seen at this point i'm gonna say three of the signs because like eustace saw his old acquaintance whoever we have I'm going to say, obviously come to the ruined city of the giants. Obviously? Also, based on the map and the very beginning of the book, Harfang and the ruined city of the giants are right on top of each other. Mm. So I'm going to assume they've come through the ruined city to get to Harfang. Okay. So that's a a pretty safe assumption because they've seen ruins. They've seen like large squares, blocks. They've seen carved stuff. Yeah. I'm going to say that's the ruined city. Also, baseless speculation, which I think is op- so obvious that I'm not even going to say it's baseless, is the big flat table land they were walking across was the stone with something written on it. And, like, the grooves that Jill fell into were letters that were carved into the stone. And because of the snowstorm, they couldn't see it. And there you go. Okay. That's that's the thing they were supposed to find. At some point, they're going to have to get some sort of higher vantage and look back down at it and be like, oh, hey, look, there's a thing with stuff carved on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the text is not descriptive enough for me to speculate as to what it says. <laughs> but there's a letter that's not an I. There, yeah, there would have had to be, there's curves, there's angles. Um, also why it would be written in a language they could even remotely understand, I don't know. Because it's Narnia. Yeah. <laughs> no one there speaks anything but English. Yeah, and written the same way in English, apparently. Yep, absolutely. Um, but yeah, if we had another five or six pages of just descriptions of, and then she went at a 47 degree angle and then made a sharp turn into a, into a 53 angle degree angle going east. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could have, uh, we could draw that up on some graph paper and figure out what it says, but alas, there's no such descriptions. <laughs> um, also they were cutting straight across and not going through every letter. Yep. But who knows? I think they're going to have to look down and see that it actually says something uh, in the ruined city there. Heck if I know what it says other than like, hey, don't go to Harfang. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Um, <laughs> obviously, there's there's something amiss at Harfang. Uh, everybody's being weird. Uh, like the par- the porter was weird until he was they told him that the Lady of the Green Kirtle sent them. And then he, he turned to a younger giant and was like, oh, hey, these are sent by the Lady of the Green Kirtle. And they both had a laugh about it. And yeah. the giant wanders off to talk to Kings. I'm like, there's 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 some kind of joke here that they're not in on. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're getting Puddle Glum drunk for fun because it's amusing, I guess. I don't know. Maybe... Uh, and maybe that maybe that's like a liquor and also a marinade because like they're planning on eating <laughs> them all. So like maybe that's like, you know... 
yeah. doing coconut chicken in a wine sauce or just like getting them started already yeah for maybe. uh for the autumn feast that's about to happen yeah uh maybe they really like uh marshwiggle liver possibly and it's like that foie gras or whatever it is possibly but i mean also you eat frog legs so maybe they maybe maybe they're really into frogs and they're like to to them he's just a frog yeah um yeah they meet the royalty like we i I don't think there's really anything we can go into there as to what happens next chapter (sighs) i don't know i hope they have to escape because i feel like there's not there's we don't need to spend a lot of time in harfang really uh i mean it would be fun world building if we wanted to get into it but also we're halfway through the book and we don't have time for that kind of thing at this point yeah um but i i want to find out how giant society functions <sighs> but it seems to be very similar to human society um but i guess if i i usually pose at least one big question in these things so my big question is obviously what is the what does the big ta- tablet say and second this is a ruined city of the giants that was, you know, at least hundreds of years old. Like it was abandoned, whatever. Why Why is the House of Harfang in this new giant settlement basically built directly on top of this ruined city? I mean, like, what? it makes sense, though. Like, Rome is still a city today. Jerusalem yeah. is still a city today. The yeah. cities are, are put, built in places where people gather yeah so this based on the way the map is drawn this is a big table land surrounded by mountains it's defensible it's probably an area where they could clear stuff easily so yeah i mean Mm -hmm. it makes sense to build near ruins yeah i guess so like from a maybe harfangs whatever has actually survived this one's larger city here yeah whatever maybe. maybe Mm-hmm. I do find it interesting that they just, uh, you know, he goes out of his way to describe Harfang is obviously not being built like a fortress. Like, these are, like, whatever the story is here, obviously, these are giants that have never engaged in war with anybody. And yet the like, porter is in mail. Yeah, like, he's wearing armor, and yet, obviously, they're not ready for battle. Like, they have no fear of being attacked. Yeah, so why well, he's is... not wearing full armor. He's just wearing, like, mail. Yeah, but why wear armor at all? That's a... Who's going to come to the gate that's going to attack them? That's the question. That's the question. You know, since on our two-week journey up here, the only people that we ran into were, like, other dumb giants. Yep. So, we don't know the relationship between the dumb giants and the Harfang giants. True, we don't. Yeah. Anyway, there's not a lot I can go off of, uh, so that's... That's what I got. Cool. Other than the kids are stupid. Yep, they are. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like there should be more to say because uh, this is going to be a really short episode, but I just I feel like we've exhausted it. That's There's always that one chapter that there's just nothing that happens in. I we... mean, realistically, yeah. though, it is. It's like the... Your theory about the trenches, uh-huh. I feel like it's mostly based around the title of the chapter like i feel like if she fell into a trench without that being the title of the chapter it would be a much less of a of a plot point and a little just more of like a worried about giant creatures thing yeah 
But it's the title of the chapter, so it emphasizes it a lot. Uh Uh-huh. That's my complaint about this chapter, is that, like, the title makes you focus on something Uh that, like, doesn't actually have a whole lot of impact on the chapter itself. Yeah. Which makes you think, oh, yeah, well, that has to be important for later. Yeah. So that... If it does happen later that they look out a window in Harfang and see that there's letters on the tableland, like, uh-huh. it, you're not surprised. Yeah. Which I feel like is a little. I mean, it is a fun. Like, it is know. a fun mystery though, because like, if that is the case, then that raises all sorts of questions. Of like, obviously, this is a very large carved tablet or stone type thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, even from a giant's perspective, like, if it's that big that Jill can, like, entirely fit into one of these carved letters, like, even from the perspective of a giant, you would have to be at some sort of raised position to actually see what the whole thing says. Or you could just follow along the edges of the letters on the ground. Yeah, I guess you could do that. It is also in, essentially, a valley that's surrounded by mountains. Yeah. So I guess, who was this written for? Like, what, what message is important enough that the giants would have spent all this effort on, like, creating this huge thing? Who knows? So. Don't know. Mysteries. Yep. <sighs> also, the porter does call them, uh, and talking to the human children, he does call them little shrimps, so... Again, the giants are just demonstrating some sort of familiarity with the sea. Does he so. call them southern children, too, or no? Uh, no, they introduce themselves oh, they introduce as southern themselves children. that way, because they say what the lady said. But he does call them shrimps, and they don't correct him. Yeah. Like, Puddlegum's just, like, not a frog, but the children are just like, no, we, we can be shrimp. Maybe we're shrimp. <laughs> yeah, so definitely ocean fairy. We've learned yeah. a lot about these uh, giants. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> cool. That's the episode. Thanks yep. for listening. <laughs> Let's go ahead and clip take us out, Kristen. Okay. Well, uh, this is about half as long as a normal episode is. I'm sorry. Blame Lewis. Yeah. Well. No. Oh well. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today as we discussed Chapter Seven of The Silver Chair. We will be back next week in our regularly scheduled episodes uh, to discuss Chapter Eight. The House of Harfang. And between now and then, you can wish me a late happy birthday at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, uh, at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can email us your fan art of a giant caterpillar, giant earthworm, uh, at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support us on the Patreon, you can do that uh, at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast where you get nothing in return because we don't record the things we say we're going to do for that. Like, just in general, we don't. And until next time, um, if you're ever drinking giant liquor, do it out of a salt shaker. It'll make you a respectable. See, what I was going to say was, if you're ever given strange giant liquor, make sure you check to make sure there's nothing at the bottom of the glass. Ah, Yeah. There we go. Make sure. Only one way to get down there. Yeah, only one way. (laughs) So we're both telling you to drink. Yep. Thank you so much. Bye. See ya.
make you a respectabiggle. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, yeah. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> Fine, You're the one who's sitting there being like, they're being so mean to Puddle Glom. I'm I mean, like, I, I get it. Yeah. But that said, you were looking for Care Carter early. Yeah. Like, they did have a lot of detours. And, like, stop is over. Stopovers. Stop's over. What's the plural of that? Yeah, uh, he's a respect a wiggle. Or. A, a respect a biggle. A respect a biggle. We're a little respect a biggles. <laughs> respect a wiggle. Uh huh.